From Creative Force, I'm Daniel Jester, and this is the e-commerce content creation podcast. <laughs> we are in the holiday season where no matter where you go, you cannot avoid retailers letting you know what your friends and family probably want for their holiday gifts. Here on this podcast, we aren't doing a gift guide per se, but in this episode, Lauren Stefanik-Smith and Kimmy Snow share with me what they think makes a great gift guide. Something else Walmart did that I thought was really fun for like a kid's gift guide, which kind of brings you back to those Toys R Us days of like getting those catalogs in the mail and like sitting on your tummy under your Christmas tree and like circling and bending the, you know, dog earing the pages and all of that. They sent like a sticker pack with their gift guide. And so your kids could go and put the stickers on what they wanted. And then that QR code brings you straight to. So it was kind of a, you know, best of both worlds. That's right. This episode is the e-commerce content creation podcast's guide to holiday gift guides. This is the e-commerce content creation podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Jester, and joining me for this episode, a very special holiday episode. We're calling this one the Holiday Gift Guide Guide. I have a couple of guests here. Lauren Stefanik-Smith. Hi. Welcome back to the show. Thank you for having me. And my good friend and stylist extraordinaire, Kimmy Snow, <laughs> uh, senior stylist at Bass Pro Shops. Welcome to the show. Hey, thank you. That's not to say that Lauren isn't my good friend. We've gotten quite <laughs> close, but full disclosure. No, you, you said what you said. Kimmy, <laughs> I've known Kimmy since she was like a kid, basically. So yeah, very, much. very close. Yeah, we go far, far, far way back. Too far back. <laughs> so we, I brought you guys together for this episode. We pulled this one together a little bit last minute. And I really wanted to do, like, I've been wanting to do a holiday gift guide episode. I enjoyed doing the one we did last year that was sort of a book club theme. But I didn't have a collection of recommendations over the course of doing a year's worth of episodes like I did last year. But I thought it might be interesting for us to have just a casual kind of fun conversation about the process of creating a gift guide. Because this is a really interesting process that represents some pretty interesting creative challenges, both in terms of timing of when that content needs to be shot decisions that you make about you know what you're going to feature and how you're going to put it together obviously there's a, a physical aspect to this in the physical printed gift guide but then you kind of back that up with plenty of real estate on the web dedicated to funneling people towards the things you want them to buy mm-hmm. so that's kind of what we're going to talk about and where we're going to start the conversation we're going to start really broad and just say like what makes a great gift guide. And if either of you have examples, I'd love to hear from you, like any gift guides that have resonated with you. I personally have found the last few years that there's been like a resurgence in the print mailer gift guide. Yes. Really nice papers. Obviously companies putting a lot of work, a lot of like, I don't want to characterize any of these brands as mid-tier with and, and be wrong about it, but thinking about a company like Filson, like not a huge, huge company, but they've yeah. got some weight behind their creative team and they can put out a really nice printed gift guide. And obviously I get a lot of gift guides like for Filson and brands like that. So Lauren, let's go to you first. What, in your opinion, at a high level, makes a great gift guide? I love being here for this episode. I don't think you knew this when you reached out, but I pride myself on being the best gift giver. And I talk about Somehow, it all the time. It doesn't really <laughs> surprise awesome. me. That, that fact doesn't surprise me about you. But yeah. yeah, And I'm not humble about it at all. I would talk about it any opportunity <laughs> I could get. 
And so I think for me, gift giving, what makes a great gift guide, really high, like super high level, wide assortment of things that aren't going to sell out. So it has to be bought Mm. deep into. The last thing you want is like somebody to click into something that you spent so much time curating. And then it's like, "Mm, sold out, try again. Absolutely. That's super frustrating to get, not even a gift guide, but get served an ad for something that you (laughs) click through to. And they're not just out of your size. That's a little bit of a bummer, but out of stock completely. Right. A cardinal sin of gift guides, I would say. It is. And I think like when we talk about printed gift guides versus digital, I'm a little bit more lenient on a digital gift guide if something's sold out, right? Because things move fast on the internet. Right. Versus if something's printed, like you have to feel really confident about what you're putting in there and that you're not going to create a terrible customer experience. Yeah. Kimmy, what in your opinion makes like thinking about gift guides that you've either worked on because you at Bass Pro, it's worth mentioning. Uh, If anyone who's seen a Bass Pro commercial in the last three years, Kimmy worked on that commercial and in fact, probably creative directed some portion of that commercial. Um, We we can talk about commercials. I wasn't expecting to focus on commercials, but certainly if you're a company like Lauren Victoria's Secret does this as well, you're often backing up your gift guides through other marketing pushes like television ads and those sorts of things. But to direct the conversation back to the question, Kimmy, in your opinion, what makes a great gift guide? I think, like you said, we are in Christmas mode pretty much from June until Christmas. And so I think having just like thoughtful, intentional, authentic imagery in with those gift guides, I really like what Amazon and Walmart are doing with the QR codes on each page. Mm. Something else Walmart did that I thought was really fun for like a kid's gift guide, which kind of brings you back to those Toys R Us days of like getting those catalogs in the mail and like sitting on your tummy under your Christmas tree and like circling and bending the, you know, dog earing the pages and all of that. They sent like a sticker pack with their gift guide. And so your kids could go and put the stickers on what they wanted. And then that QR code brings you straight to. So it was kind of a, you know, best of both worlds. Yes, it's print, which brings back, you know, those magical memories of nostalgia that we all have, but then also brings you into the digital age and you get to see all of that imagery. And so for me, being on both sides of doing catalog and print, I think just being intentional, like you said, making sure that everything's in stock, but also making sure that everything's presented the way that you would utilize it and just things like that. Yeah, the QR code thing, I haven't seen that. I haven't seen Walmart's kids gift guide, but I know Mm -hmm. that Amazon has done a similar thing in the past with the sticker pack. I mean, I think it's smart because... Kids, you know, some kids, older kids do have phones, but those are core memories that a lot of kids are going to create for themselves during the holidays, which is like getting that printed catalog and daydreaming about all of the things that they want for Christmas or whatever the gift giving occasion is during the holidays. Mm -hmm. But you touched on a word there. And in true Lauren Stefanik Smith fashion, we have detailed notes behind the scenes for this conversation. And so you mentioned authentic and intentionality in creating some of that content. And Lauren, in your notes, as we were preparing for this episode, one a really I thought this was a really insightful thing that you said, which is, I'm just going to read it verbatim for the audience, and then you can elaborate on it a little bit. Crafting a story through product is inauthentic and irrelevant. Customers often shop for one gift item, and this is not about building a cart. I think that that's... Super interesting. I'm not exactly going to push back a little bit, but I came into this conversation thinking that my favorite imagery around holiday gift guides are when you have a collection of products in one environment that feels 
like there's a little bit of a story there because certainly you need to recycle catalog imagery, you know, PDP imagery or, or whatever, flat shots, ghost mannequin shots. You need to recycle that to like fill out your gift guide. But I love knowing that that team took all of these products, built this set and put together a little story for that one thing. So mm-hmm. Lauren, elaborate on that point a little bit about authenticity and relevancy and and focusing on what your customer is trying to do versus the story that you want to tell. I completely agree that I think the creative execution being a cohesive story is where you should tell that story, right? But when you're thinking about building the assortment of product, they don't need to be related, right? Because it's not Uh, like I need a shirt and the pant and the shoes and the socks. It's I want what's the top bestseller that this gift receiver is going to enjoy as a standalone item because you're probably not going to buy multiple items for a person that creates this whole cohesive package. So for me, when businesses are thinking about merchandising, I think you merchandise your best sellers that don't need to necessarily go along together, but it's really on the creative team on the back end to be like, great, I have this hodgepodge of product. Now I'm going to assume, mm-hmm. like style it and make Figure it look it really good. Yeah, into a shot yeah. that that's what cuts through to the customer. Mm-hmm. We're going to use that as a segue to elaborate on some other things around determining the assortment because there's a lot of really thoughtful things that go into this. And we're not exactly the right people to have this conversation. Lauren, for a time, marketing was under the umbrella of your leadership. I have worked briefly, and it was years ago, in merchandising, so I'm semi-familiar with the machinations around determining an assortment and that sort of thing. And obviously, Kimmy, you and I have worked on a ton of ton of holiday work together. And so, yeah. you know, again, we're kind of aware of how these things work in the broad strokes. But you had a lot of really great insight, as usual, Lauren, around determining an assortment. And the thing that you said about Again, I'm just going to read it because your words, I'm going to steal your own words from you. You really have to assess whether your brand or product line or ethos itself lends itself to being something that is giftable. There are some things that are like obviously a great gift. And then there are other things that you sell that you're proud of that people like, but maybe it doesn't really, it's not a gift. Maybe it isn't a gift. Let's riff on that a little bit. This is kind of ripping the covers off. (laughs) how businesses work in some ways. And (laughs) a really good strategic business buys into things intentionally for this purpose. Like if you were to understand how a business crafts, offers, gift with purchases, all of these things that feel like to a customer, oh, I got 40% off today. Like maybe they just have too much assortment in stock for this. It's really not the case or shouldn't be like a business is thinking about these things and they're thinking throughout the year, okay, holidays, a time when people are gifting, what can we buy into in our assortment? That is a gifting moment that we may not have any other time. This is also when businesses create gift sets of product where they say yeah. like these five things make sense together. We're going to create a value proposition by putting these together and saying the value of, of this item. Yeah. This is common ground that Victoria's Secret and Bass Pro both have, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is maybe there is and maybe there isn't a lot of things, but at both Victoria's Secret and Bass Pro, you can find seasonal gifts that are not in those stores any other time of the year. Mm-hmm. For the Bass Pro side of it, it's like, you're not going to include a bunch of fish hooks in your gift mm-hmm. guide, probably. Probably not going to. Right. Uh, unless you're doing a little section on random ideas for stocking stuffers. But right. Bass Pro is going to push that, like, pocket knife, flashlight, glove combo, combo. kit. Yes. That, yes. That, is a gr- that, that, that also is a great stocking stuffer or yeah, something like that. we have 36 of those in assorted colors. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and so there is a little, obviously a little bit of like seasonal merchandising that's happening for a retail. I think especially stores that have a brick and mortar retail presence because those are huge yeah. margin drivers for yeah. your holiday period. 
I think what you said also is like a lot of these gift guides are kind of categorized in certain ways. Obviously, Bass Pro, we have like a hunting category, an angler category, camping category, things like that. But then there's just that generic gifting of sweaters and hats and gloves and those kinds of things. And I think breaking it out into categories is helpful when you are shopping, when you are, you know, trying to do that. I liked how Amazon broke theirs out into age categories. So you could be shopping for this bunch of ages and kind of see what what people are gravitating towards or breaking it up into a price point category. I think that was a really smart way to to go about when you're shopping, like you said, stocking stuffers versus a specific gift for one specific person. I really liked how that how that's been spread out. So I'm going to hit you with a category that I know we've all shopped for. We've all shopped for this category, but I personally have never seen a company specifically call it out, which is the random thing that you buy that's a great generic gift for the person you weren't expecting to see. <laughs> <laughs> Am I wrong on this? In the past, I've gone for for a bottle of wine. That's mm-hmm. usually a pretty safe bet. Yeah. Bring a couple extra bottles of wine to the family Christmas party because you never know which cousin's going to randomly show up that you weren't really prepared for. Yeah. So, like, on that note, we need to buy, sometimes we need to buy things that are just giftable without necessarily knowing the person that they're going to. On the topic of things that are giftable, Lauren, you have some thoughts about how to push forward things that are actually truly giftable and what sort of constitutes a giftable product. Yeah, so for me, when I think about what makes a good gift, I think about one of three things. So is it something that's, like, whimsical in nature? Is it aspirational? Is it a luxury item that that person wouldn't necessarily have bought for themselves, but might be a nice, like, entry into a luxury lifestyle through this small gift moment? Those are typically more expensive, but easier to find. Is it something that's thoughtful? That's typically something sentimental, personalized, will take much longer, so you really have to have it together to be able to do that. And then the third thing is something that's practical, right? Like, gift cards, I think, are the perfect example of something that's a practical gift that's really easy to find them. They tend to be less expensive, easier entryway, can't really go wrong with them. So when I think about things, I think about it in those three buckets. And then like the pinnacle gift for me is something that's like at least two of those. If you could find a combo that's like really knocks it out of the park. Let's jump to a different topic, entirely different topic. You touched on it earlier on, Kimmy. One of the really interesting, unique, and kind of unusual things about creative production is that we are in holiday mode. Christmas in July is not just a reason to watch Shop Around the Corner uh, in the month of July. Christmas in July, I have not done the deep dive on this to know for sure if this is true, but I think I would be willing to bet that Christmas in July partially comes from the fact that everybody in marketing, advertising, merchandising in July is focused on Christmas. That presents a lot of challenges from a creative production standpoint. The The most obvious one to me is sourcing props and finding models who are going to be really good at pretending to be cold when it's absolutely not cold. Yes. We deal with that a lot. Like I said, I think we begin our Christmas season in June and start working. We do a winter clothing catalog and we also do the Christmas gift guide catalog. So we have two kind of at once. Some of that imagery is picked up, but some of them is if it's winter, it's less Christmassy, more winter. So we reshoot a lot of the, the products to fit so it can live past the Christmas season into the true winter season in January. But it is funny how, especially we're in Missouri right now. And so our fall and winter catalog, we usually stay close to home just because we're able to kind of 
fake it here. So we have our snow machine and, you know, when the temps are like 90 degrees, but 3000% humidity and you have a snow machine blowing bubbles and those are just evaporating in thin air and, <laughs> and you know, you're just like, you're shoving it in and just yeah. <laughs> like your hair sure. and makeup people are working overtime to keep your models from sweating because they're wearing flannels yeah. and it's 85 yeah, degrees have, like, with 90% humidity. We have like the soccer mom, Mr. You know, like <clears throat> the fans are going constantly. You've got a full on swamping situation and you're like complaining about how hot you are and then your model has 14 layers on and you know <laughs> all so, of that Kimmy tell us a little bit about you sent over some links to me with you you had two different gift guides that you showed you had your winter clothing catalog which I think is a really interesting kind of standalone thing and then you also sent over the Christmas gift guide so just flipping through the digital gift guide that you sent the second half is largely flats there's obviously some shots here that were styled by the way this women's flannel shot that's a left to right shot of a bunch of flannels where the arms are all intertwined. Is that you? Did you style that? That's got your name all over. Yeah, I knew it. I could I could tell. It yeah. has your fingerprints off. We have styled shots that look a lot like this. Too. We've worked we on them together. Yeah, yeah. That's, been, that's been one of my favorite things coming to Bass Pro because Bass Pro started with catalog from the very beginning. And so we will always have catalogs no matter what. But anytime we get a new printed catalog, one, I go around to the whole team, anybody that worked on it, and everybody autographs the front cover, which is just really fun. Because I think by the time it prints, you're so sick of looking at these products <laughs> because you've seen them oh, so yeah. many times. You've shot 30 different cover options with all these products only to find out that they didn't use any of them, you know, because <laughs> one of the products right. isn't going to make it to the store on time, yeah. you know, that kind of thing. But then bring Or they back. put the little 50% off badge right over your favorite little detail. Yeah, it's a, it's a Mike Wazowski situation. Yeah. <laughs> cover of a magazine. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, bringing that home and my three children will flip through the catalogs and be like, I know mommy shot this whole spread. Like they know yeah. that I did the model shot and the laydowns and the on white shots and all of that. So it's funny how Absolutely. you can kind of see everyone's identity when you're going through. And, and I see all my stylists and I'm like, oh, I know this is this person. And I know this was this photographer because how it was lit. And, you know, so that's fun. That's behind the scene moments. Yeah, the catalog here looks like the front half is stacked with like the stuff that you obviously shot for the season. And then the back half looks like it's largely, there's a handful of like those studio shots that you did that were styled together, yeah. obviously for the catalog, but then reusing a lot of what looks like PDP imagery to me. Yeah. So I don't want to like circle around a little bit too much, but I want to go back to this idea because I know, Lauren, you had some thoughts also on using PDP imagery, obviously, if you can, because if you're printing, the images that you have may not be suitable. Although these days, honestly, with digital photography, the line between what can be printed well and not be printed well is much, it's a much smaller gray area than it used to be. But what are some of your thoughts, Lauren, around like filling out a catalog with images that you have already in the can and can be used? Yeah, so I think, and we've touched on this in previous episodes, but the notion of usage rights and how long you can use an asset for is like dwindling by the day. You know, like we used to live in this time of in perpetuity and like you say that now and people laugh at you. So I think it's really hard to reuse campaign imagery specifically. PDP imagery is a little bit easier to get away with. So I I err on the side of reusing the product page, e-commerce photography. It's easy to strip it onto a different maybe holiday colored background or some of the ones I've seen that look really cool are creating complex stills in like a festive mm. shape, like a Christmas tree or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And Those then, cool. yeah, distorting your dollars to capture in the campaign space, like the on-figure shots, so that you can create a new asset generated specifically for this. And you're not worried about like 
it looking not cohesive because you had different creative projections by season. That's one thing we focused on this year, which will probably live in our, you know, in our dam for quite a few years, but we just shot a ton of different wood color backgrounds, different pine cones, different greenery, different ribbon curls, things like that. So that those e-com images could be placed on top or, you know, strategically used in the email blasts and things like that when they're creating those email gift guides that are a little bit more catered to a specific, you know, category of person or however that looks. We got just a few minutes left. I want to touch on a couple of more things really quickly. Lauren, do you have any past gift guides that you thought were just absolute home runs? Yeah, so I think I'm going to get nostalgic about Victoria's Secret for a second. We used to be so good at catalogs, and that was like Mm. our thing. Like when Christmas came around, we had a catalog called Christmas Dreams and Fantasies. It was 200 pages. It was ridiculous. If you looked through it, it would have like really expensive items. The fantasy bra would show up in there, like million dollar items that no one would ever buy. One year I saw a pink Corvette. Like it was just this like literal fantasy world that they would create. And so we would do a really good job of telling a story and having that be our holiday moment. And I think about, we touched on commercials too. Michael Bay shot our commercial one year for this. Like it was, it was our thing. Did I, is this widely known? I don't know if I knew about this. (laughs) How many things exploded? There was a lot of fireworks in the background. Um, (laughs) (laughs) He got his explosions in there one way or another. Yeah, he actually shot a few years in a row for us. But it was our thing. So I think like, if I think like 2016 and prior, like we used to do a really good job there, as did most companies, right? Catalogs were huge at that time. But when I think like now, what's important to me and what I feel like is super successful is New York Magazine's The Strategist. I live on that website. Hot tip for anybody that wants to buy a gift. I probably got the idea from there. Well, how do you think the New York Magazine's The Strategist compares to New York Times Wirecutter? Because I love Wirecutter, yeah. but I am refusing to give the New York Times any more of my money because it's just <laughs> so hard to deal with them as a like as a subscriber. Yeah, I find it pretty similar, but to me, okay. New York Mag reads a little bit more city and younger. The Wirecutter to me comes across as more of like a consumer reports. I'm going to get a really good idea of if this is a good product or not. If this is a good product, yeah. Yeah, strategist is like, listen, this is what the kids want on TikTok. Here's where to find it for you old people. Oh, interesting. (laughs) All right. So I can, what's up fellow TikTok kids? (laughs) I can finally fulfill that dream of mine. What about you, Kimmy? Mm -hmm. Favorite past gift guides or if, if there's a gift guide this year that you loved, one that you've worked on or just one that you've received or think is really cool? I really liked Amazon's gift guide last year. They had a dedicated artist that did all of the artwork throughout the book, which I think was really just intentional and fun and a nice spotlight. And just, you know, you know, this is hitting a lot of people and just kind of bringing light to just different artists and different artistry in general. So I really enjoyed that. And just kind of seeing how they are, you know, putting a lot more inclusivity into their catalogs and their imagery with different body types, different disabilities and things like that. I really loved how they incorporated that starting last year and just kind of growing from there. This year for Bass Pro, I loved our like toy gift guide portion. I thought that was really fun. It was fun to work on, fun to do like wheel tracks and, you know, things like that in the studio. So that was another, another favorite of mine. This year I got, for one thing, I will say this paper choice on a printed gift guide is almost always going to get me to open it. If you print it on a real, and a lot of brands have been using the sort of matte luster 
paper recently, mm-hmm. and I'm just a freaking sucker for that paper. I don't know. Every all the images, honestly, they're not even like it, it really affects like the sharpness of the imagery in some kind of like negative ways, but there's something about that paper and the image, it still really, really works for me. But the gift guide that I got this year that I'm a, I really liked was by a company called Fellow. Fellow mm-hmm. makes, and you've probably seen some of their products without even realizing this is the brand necessarily, but they make like coffee related, a lot of coffee related and kitchen wares. The main thing they make is like this coffee grinder, which is for me, it's still aspirational. I'm, I'm a huge fan, very passionate about my coffee. My current coffee grinder, when it craps out, I'm going to replace it with the fellow, but it's hanging on. Damn you, OXO, for producing great products. <laughs> but their gift guide was really great. And it was a lot of what we talked about earlier. They just kept it really simple. It felt very elegant, but still right on for holiday. And it was just very, these were probably honestly all shot in a studio on just like, you know, basic kind of kitchen scene setup with collections of their products that just felt like home to me because that's a part of my kitchen that I really appreciate is my sort of like coffee area. And it worked really well for me and it was really effective. There's not going to be any fellow products under the tree for us this year, unfortunately. I'm still waiting on some of my stuff to break, but but I, I really enjoyed that. So there's one more thing. We're going to go a little bit long because I know that you both have great creative production stories around holiday stuff that I'd like for you both to have an opportunity to share. And then I also would love to, for you guys to give that like specific gift recommendation, either what you think is a great gift or something that you received that you really loved. So first, let's go to Kimmy. And I'd love for you to tell us about the holiday shoot with the dog. Okay. So this was our Christmas commercial 2021. And that was the whole thing was funny because we did shoot true 2021, but it was summertime and we had rented out one of the most wild weeks of my life. Honestly, I helped come up with all the concepts of what each room was going to be. And so we rented out five different houses. We'd get there 4 a.m., decorate for Christmas, shoot our scenes, tear down Christmas and do it the next day for five days in a row. The fifth house was the family got COVID right before we went to go. Oh no! <laughs> and oh, so no. we were scrambling and that was one of our biggest scenes. We were going to have a big, like four by four, like tracker off road drive into the living room. And so wow. I ended up having to like on set while we're shooting the Thursday shot, communicate with the team back in the studio and say, Hey, we need to build a living room so that we can get this tracker off road inside the studio. So already it was just kind of like a chaotic, crazy week. So fun. And I I need to do something, but I had the sketch of what I drew out and then what was built. And we had a painter come and we painted the whole room and all of that. We set it all up, got everything ready in that scene. We had one of the professional dogs come and he's supposed to bring, like get one of the Bass Pro little duck toys and bring it to the family right before The trainer was like, let me get him familiar with this toy so he's not like, you know, whatever. He rips it to shreds and we only had the one it's like beginning of Christmas. It's, it's going to be our, like our black Friday special. So we only (laughs) had the one that was created and everybody looks at me because I sew in my pastime and everything. And I was like, hand it over. And I like sitting on the floor and I get out like this tiny little sewing kit and in between takes, I'm stitch restitching this, this duck toy, (laughs) this dog toy. And I stitch it back up and I'll just literally throw it back in and they get like two more shots and they get the take. And, um, 
it's funny because there's a close-up take of him with that dog toy in his mouth. And you can see my stitches on that, on that dog toy. Like but it was wrong the best. color thread and everything. Yeah. Like. No, 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 no. I'm a professional. But <laughs> but yeah, just shoving the stuffing back in and hand stitching it as quickly as possible. That was fun. Yeah, there's a couple of takeaways there, right? If if at all possible. Try to get more than one prototype dog toy if you're working with unpredictable uh, talent. Yeah. (laughs) Whether it's your dog or your model that's going to be chewing on the toys. Either way, you need to be prepared. And obviously, sewing kit. That goes without saying. Any stylist worth their salt is going to have a sewing kit somewhere. But, you know, I know some studios that even have actual... Sewing machine. Yeah, I don't know. What's the gender neutral term for seamstress? Is there Mm -hmm. one? Taylor? Taylor, I guess. Taylor. Yeah, I, I guess you could use Taylor. Yeah. So like, yeah, like Farfetch for a while. I think uh, we definitely had somebody who was skilled and would do this regularly. But it actually is an important thing to have. Garments mm-hmm. rip all the time in non-figure yeah. studios. You should have somebody on hand with the tools that they need to be able to fix stuff like that. Yeah, amazing, incredible, Lauren. <laughs> you've got a holiday story that you'd like to share. I do. No no dogs involved, though. So I had mentioned our Christmas dreams and fantasies catalog a little bit ago, and. The last one we did in 2016, perfect Christmas in July situation. We knew we had to shoot. The creative team came up with this idea that they wanted to go to Aspen and shoot. Like it was 12 models as a giant production. And for whatever reason, the creative projection for them was chaps, cowboy hats, boots, horses, lingerie. Wow. And so the images came back and I think everybody was just so speechless in the worst way that we were like, (laughs) on one hand, this is absolutely beautiful. But on the other hand, we were like, I don't think we could use any of this. (laughs) (laughs) And so we like, it ended, most of it ended up getting scrapped. You would have like the background plates of like the beautiful mountains and all that stuff. It was like pretty much all we could use. And then like what little they did go forward with, like, a week or two into the actual holiday season, they were like, guys, we got to pull every image with with a cowboy hat. We just, we got to take it down. <laughs> just like oh, so no. quickly devolved of like the grandest plan just completely oh, no. falling apart. That's so, it's so funny also given the context of my obsession with Boot Barns Creative right now, which <laughs> yeah. definitely oh, has so successfully good. elevated the cowboy theme in it ways really they is. haven't. As far as I know, they haven't dipped into lingerie and cowboy hats, <laughs> but there's no doubt in my mind that that team could do it. They could. Yeah. Right? They're, yeah. And also, I mean, sensibilities have shifted probably. What year was that, Lauren? 2016. Yeah, right. Yeah. I don't really have any like crazy holiday stories. The thing that just as a photographer, and it's been less of an issue as LED lighting has become better and better, but... It was just always frustrating when people would want Christmas lights to be part of the shot because when you're shooting strobe, it's extraordinarily hard to get Christmas lights to show up very well. Often you have to rely on post-production. Nowadays, the last time I shot where the customer, the client wanted Christmas lights, thankfully it was a tabletop shoot, so no people involved because that really makes it complicated. But I was also shooting with LED constant lights, which really helped that a lot. I I mean, I love shooting sort of holiday-themed stuff. You know, fake snow is super fun. Like I did a, a... product launch for Ember where we we were shooting in September. So they just said, as long as we're shooting now these new products, we should shoot some holiday things. So we spent the last like two hours doing a couple of very basic 15 second videos of just like the mug sitting there and the snow coming down. (laughs) Speaking of Ember, that's my recommendation for a great gift. I think I've probably mentioned it on this podcast before. And I hope I didn't mention if I mentioned it last year in the gift guide listener, I apologize. 
But I got to tell you, the Ember mug, if you live in an area, I live in a house. It's not really cold where I live in Southern California, but it does get cold occasionally. And I live in a very old house that gets very cold. And there's just something incredibly special about a mug that keeps your coffee or your tea warm to the very last drink. I I can't really explain Mm -hmm. it, except it just feels luxurious in ways that you can't understand until you experience it. That last drop of coffee not being cold is incredible. And I really like if you if, uh, for me, it's one of those things. It's like that's a great gift for like your father in law or something like buddy who's always complaining about their coffee being cold or having to reheat yeah. it. Uh, get the mug. I know that it's like a turnoff for some people because there's like an app associated with it. You only really need to use the app the one time you use it to kind of like set everything up and then you don't ac- actually have to use it again after that if you don't yeah. want to. So I got that's that my for, recommendation for Josh this year. Hopefully Did you get it for him this year? He's going to yeah. get it this year. Yeah. That's amazing. Like, I was going to get one for your dad, dad actually, Kimmy. Yeah, you should. My husband's a stay at home dad and he always like, which I feel like it's a constant thing. You like set your coffee down and then forget about it and don't know where it is and then find it later in the day. And then he, I just always see him. He'll just like chug his black coffee cold, like take it like yeah. a shot. And it feels, and it's like, so sad feeling. It's change. such a sad, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's such a sad yeah. feeling to just be like, oh, I'm just, I don't want to waste this coffee. So I'm just going to, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. It, but the, the Ember mug really, truly, it's one of those things that it's hard to justify buying for yourself or just buying randomly because it's like upwards of a hundred yeah. plus dollars. Yeah. Uh, but as a gift, it's an exceptional gift that I promise you, like, it's worth it. Uh, it's worth dealing with. The, the way that the handle's recharging the mug, I think, is really elegant. You do have to have a kind of a dedicated space for it, but it's not hard to make that. I think it's a really cool gift. Lauren, what would be your, could be either one, a gift that you've received that you really loved or a gift that you think is a great gift to give somebody in general? So I think my top gift-giving recommendation is the Le Lebeau Discovery Set if any of you have seen it. Why I love it, I don't think I can sell it as much as you just sold that Ember (laughs) mug, but (laughs) their fragrances are gender neutral, so it doesn't matter who you want to buy it for. And it also is like a surprisingly low price point for what their actual products are. So it's like a really nice, easy, doesn't break the bank entry into a luxury item for somebody that's also Mm. personal personalized when you go to buy it you can put their name on it so when they get the package it says their name which is really nice what about you kimmy i am very much in purchasing children gifts right now for my three kids and i have very science-based but creative children and so something that we found for our 10 year old daughter which she's you know almost aging out of toys but not quite a tween yet we purchased a 3D pen for her, which is really cool. So you can kind of like build your own toys and like glasses. You can make jewelry, you can make anything like that. So I'm very excited for Christmas morning to gift that to our 10 year old, just because it's one of those toys that I think will live on, but it's also kind of semi-educational, but also you know, isn't just going to get shoved at the bottom of a closet somewhere. So when we, I was like researching for weeks and weeks and weeks and finally pulled the plug and we got one. So I'm very excited about that. So if you have a, an in-between toy gifter and teenager, I think that's a good, a good little gift. That's it for this episode. I want to wish all listeners of this podcast a happy holiday season, a wonderful winter solstice, and a happy new year, although we have one more episode for you before we wrap up 2022. 
Many thanks to our guests, Lauren Stefanik-Smith and Kimmy Snow, and thanks to you for listening. The show is produced by Creative Force, edited by Calvin Lands. Special thanks to Sean O'Meara. I'm your host, Daniel Jester. Until next time, my friends. Hi, Ian. Yeah.